Thank you so much for listening to Exactly with me, Florence Given. I'm so happy that you're here to join me on my podcast. As regular listeners will know, throughout this podcast, I'm exploring five big themes from multiple different angles. Sex, feminism, social media, relationships, and today is part two of Body Image. I'm hugely honored that the absolutely incredible and hilarious Sophie Hagen is with me today to talk about fat liberation. In the fourth part of each mini-season, we'll be taking questions from you, the listeners. Myself and an expert will be answering all of the dilemmas that you want advice on. So if you have a question or you need advice relating to body image, get in touch on our podcast WhatsApp number. The number is plus four four seven eight nine zero three zero two six six five. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm so excited to have Sophie Hagen on the podcast as my guest today exploring this subject. Sophie is a comedian who's hilariously funny and super fucking smart. Sophie talks about fat liberation rather than body positivity on their Instagram. So I'm really interested to hear more about this from Sophie and what they feel is the difference between those two movements. Last year, Sophie published their debut book titled Happy Fat, Taking Up Space in a World That Wants to Shrink You. In their book, Sophie dispels myths about health and fatness, and they detail some of the horrific discrimination that they've experienced due to their fatness. At the heart of the book is the idea that fat phobia is a product of capitalism, that we are groomed to hate our bodies to keep us buying into the multi-million pound diet industry. And of course, fat phobia is also a product of the patriarchy, which demands that women show up thin, pretty, and hairless, or otherwise pay the price. Today's episode is so important to me because not only am I fascinated with Sophie's work, their opinions and what they have to say, but because I know body image is still one of the biggest hurdles that we come across in feminism and something that we still individually struggle with daily. It's so easy to tell your mate that she looks beautiful no matter what and that we should love our bodies at any size, but that still doesn't change the fact that different bodies are treated differently in our society and that bigger bodies experience discrimination and disrespect from people in all facets of life. What I love about Sophie's work is that they focus less on loving what you look like and more on the fact that you deserve the same respect and humanity, whatever you look like and however you feel about your body. Sophie's so much more focused on the systemic changes that need to take place for this to happen and I don't have a bloody clue how to go about that. So I'm so excited to interview them today and find out. So Sophie, today I'm going to be reading out five of my quick fire questions. I ask all of my guests these, just say the first thing that comes to your mind It could be a word, a sentence. Just don't try to think too much about it. It's a way to break the ice before we get into the tougher subjects that we're going to be talking about, okay? Okay, I'll try. So (laughs) question number one, what's one thing that sets your soul on fire? Psychology? 
therapy, psychology, yeah, anything to do with the mind. Okay, amazing. So like understanding people and facts about psychology or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, next question. If you could wear one outfit for the rest of your life, a look that would define you forever, <laughs> what would that outfit be? <laughs> oh, something comfortable. Okay. Something that's easy to slip in and out of. Something soft. Like a blanket with a hole in it snuggie. for your head. Are, yeah. are they called a snuggie? I think so. I think so. I think there are all sorts of words for them. <laughs> for but life. Yeah, those big ones. Yeah. I think that sums okay. me up. Okay, amazing. Uh, okay, question number three. What's something that people frequently misunderstand about you? I think people f- think that I'm mm, very nice. Okay. <laughs> Like, like people have this uh, this idea that I that I'm sort of like maternal and I'm not gonna say weak, but <laughs> sort of insecure, mm-hmm. insecure, okay. and so like a pleaser. And uh, no, and I'm not. That's so interesting that you have that perception because I followed you on social media for a little while, and I do not have that perception at all. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really glad. I really, really do. Like, you, see, you seem you seem very assertive with like how you use your space. I think people project, right? So they see me being fat and I can literally be all fat with my stomach out posting the caption that's like, oh, I'm so hot. And people (laughs) will go, no, you're beautiful. Don't say that about yourself. And like, what? (laughs) Sorry, what? Did you not just read what I said? (laughs) Okay, another question. Finish this sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to... Everything. I feel like that's too easy of an answer. Like no, literally no, everything. Everything, yeah. Like, am I finished in any capacity? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, is? no. I love that. I love that. Great answer. And the last question, when was the last time you majorly cringed at yourself? Yesterday, I had a professional influencer photographer come and take photos proper influencer photos okay <laughs> and there was a lot of like carry this empty coffee no. mug <laughs> sort of thing pretend you're drinking this coffee thing and I was I was just in my head trying to figure out how I could live with myself <laughs> okay let's get straight into it Sophie can you please explain what the difference is between the body positivity movement and the fat acceptance movement? In short, very simplified, body positivity, the essence of that is love your body, right? You should love your body. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. That's a nice thing, a nice message. Fat liberation or fat acceptance is they should never have taught us to hate our bodies. We need to stop them from teaching us to hate our bodies. So by them, of course, I mean patriarchy, society, companies, advertising. So where body positivity is a very nice thing, I love that I love my body, you know, but that is very, you know, in a vacuum, very personal, very individual. It took me, what, five years to learn how to properly love my body after a lifetime of hating it. That's a lot of work. And to do that individually for every single person in the world, and for some people, it's just not possible, you know, for people who are fatter than me, for people who live in in otherwise marginalized bodies, it's just not, it's not an easy thing to do. But what we can do 
again, not easily, but what we can do and what we should do is focus on the people who actually make us feel bad about ourselves. Fat liberation doesn't really care about how you feel about yourself. That's not the point. The point is, hey, let's actually have uh, rights, you know, like uh, let's stop medical discrimination. Let's stop, you know, like fat people earn less money. They're hired less. They are treated really badly. There's less accessibility. There are so many things Mm. structurally that is discriminatory against fat people. And that's what we want to tackle rather than huck your curves because I can Mm. huck my curves and love my body as much as possible, but I still can't fly anywhere now because I'm too fat for the plane seats. So I can't go into a plane and be like, but I love myself. Sure. You know, (laughs) get off the plane. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I feel, I feel like when we talk about a lot of systems of oppression, whether it's sexism or racism, fat phobia, transphobia, there are two ways of dealing with the issue. And it, I feel like it, it depends on how, maybe how much power you feel you have to change these things. And I think it does take a lot of, maybe the foresight isn't the word, a lot of planning. And like you said, it's not easy. And it takes a lot of energy to even think about these things not existing. I think it's really hard as well. It's hard for people to accept that everything that we all grew up learning is wrong. When I wrote about it in my book, I used the the Truman Show, the film, as an example of when Truman realizes that the whole world around him is fake. Like yeah. that huge moment of, hang on, so my entire life I've based my worth on how I look. And now you're telling me that it's okay to be fat? Like that is, it's easier mm. to just accept that fat is bad, thin is good. And that is easy. It's easier than to st- you have to start rewiring your brain in all these kinds of ways. And you see people react the same way with gender, you know, boys like blue and they have penises and girls wear yeah. pink dresses and they have, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> people can't really mix it in their heads. Like, no, 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 no. And I think that's what's really tricky for people is you have to uproot your entire belief system that you've been taught by all the people you trusted throughout your entire life. And then suddenly someone's on the internet saying, oh no, everything's fake. You don't have any answers. There's no boxes. Like people are scared, so, so scared of that. Because we don't just put trust into the people who tell us these narratives. We put trust into the institutions and we learn these things in school. Mm. We're taught not to talk back, not answer back, not ask questions. And I think that, you know, people like yourself speaking up about this online, I imagine you do get backlash for being that person, almost like the scapegoat. We're talking about a lot about tradition right now and things being hard to challenge because they are so rooted in everything, books, church, family systems, everything. With the word fat, now that's something that a lot of people feel uncomfortable with because they were called it at school. They were bullied because they were fat. Can you talk a little bit about the word fat and why you choose to use it? Because it's very intentional. Yeah, definitely. There is what is politically or sociopolitically or ethically correct, right? And then there's reality of what we can actually do. So fat is not a bad word. It's a descriptive word. The only way you would, um, you could argue that it was a bad word would be if you thought that being fat was a bad thing. That is sort of the emotionless way of looking at it, right? It's a descriptive word. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like, you know, calling something gay. Why would you say that if you don't think being gay is bad, right? It's like any other word that has been used as a slur. 
And then you realize, no, actually, you know, this is an absolutely fine, fine thing to be. There's that aspect. And so, yes, I would say if I was to give you the answer as a fat liberation person, as a as an activist, as a fat person, I would say, yes, absolutely always use the word fat. Then there's the human side where fat for so many people, the majority of people, fat is the worst thing imaginable. It's the worst thing you can possibly be. It's it's something that for people means they cannot be loved, they cannot be beautiful, they cannot be happy, they can never feel joy, they don't deserve a partner, they won't get their mother's love. And we also have to remember that. And I think the sort of bottom line of everything to do with social politics and feminism and all of that is that you can never always do the right thing. You know, you're standing in front of a person who's fat. You don't know their relationship with the word. For some reason, mm. you need to describe them. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what's ethically correct? Or are you going to take the person's feelings into consideration and know that there might be a history with the word? You can't really be certain that what you're going to do is the right thing. Yeah. And that's sure. some, some, some part of doing the right thing and being a person who wants to keep trying to do the right thing is understanding that you will be in situations where you're going to fuck up because you can't always make the right decision. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I would say you could always argue uh, that, well, I don't see fat as being a, a bad thing. You know, that is why I use it. Because you could also be standing in front of me and then say overweight. And I'd be like, that is, that's an actual discriminatory word because it, within right. the word overweight is, well, over what weight? What is normal weight? What's underweight? What, 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 like, what weight are you are talking, talking about? Yeah. yeah. And obese is a medicalized word for fat, which is horrific and, you know, has caused so much medical discrim discrimination against fat people. And I would be called fat over any other word, like voluptuous or <laughs> larger <laughs> or, you know, all these words that people are trying to say mm. instead of fat. But I also know for other people, they just want to be a bit chubby or... BBW or whatever it is. Is that because, do those words make you feel more uncomfortable because it's like they're tiptoeing around saying fat? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. within the reluctance to say that I am fat is the fact that you are uncomfortable with me being yes. this size. And I think as fat people, we can pick up on that very easily. We can sense when, especially thin people, almost start to hyperventilate and like... Oh no! Oh um! Uh, no no! You can you can wear my t-shirt. I'm like no, I can't. You, yeah, no, you can, yeah you can. Yeah you can. You can. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You have pretty eyes, and there's just like this panic that just arises, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is really hard for you, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's funny by now, but I'm also very far into the journey. <laughs> of course. Well, what other? I'm gonna say well-meaning things, well-intentioned things. Do people do to try and skirt around the issue of? not wanting to say fat. I think people just want to know that it's temporary. Like that's another thing. It's like, yeah, but you're doing something about it, right? Or they want to suggest things like, oh, you're fat. Um, well, I know this diet. And like, have you tried this? Or you know what you should do? You should just um, oh my God. exercise more. <laughs> it's like, like being single. <laughs> yeah. How you're describing this is like being single. 
like this, okay, but I have this guy that I could set you up with. That same energy of like getting you out of the current state that is depressing and not nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm single. Oh, you'll meet someone. Oh, I wasn't intending on meeting <laughs> someone. So I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Or they say the worst one is, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you're not that fat, which is like throwing just other fat people under the bus. as like, oh, mm -hmm. well, at least you don't look like that guy. And then it's like, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> like, it feels gaslighting often when, because people just don't want, they don't even want to talk about it. They don't want you to talk about it. They don't want you to mention right. it. They don't want it to be a thing. And I think being fat, there's so much of being careful with thin people's feelings and saying, like, you know, if, if we sit, uh, sitting in a, cafe and one of, and this chairs have armrests and I can't fit into it. I don't care. I'm just like, hey, can I have another chair? Okay, thank you. And then I sit on that. But the tension around mm. that table of people like, like, oh, they can't look at me. They, they don't know what to say. They just wish wow. it would go away. So they would rather just that it doesn't exist. So the best thing you can do as a fat person is just pretend it's not a thing. You know, so right. how many of us, how many of us fat people have gone with our thin friends into a clothing store where we know we can't fit into anything, but we're trying on the scarves and the earrings and all the accessories to be mm. like, don't worry, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just buy four more scarves. <laughs> I don't need mm -hmm. actual clothing. So it's that constant like, oh, so yeah. sorry that I make you uncomfortable thing. Yeah, no, you're so right. This tension that you're speaking of. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I remember I first probably experienced it a few years ago. Um, I was buying a pair of trousers and my friend said, I love them. Where did you get them? I knew they didn't do them in her size. And I panicked. I remember feeling like, do I tell her or do I not? Because then you're acknowledging the fatness. And then I remember just said, but they don't do them in your size. And then she was like, great, like, you know, fantastic. Um, and then I remember feeling that thing of like, what do I do? Do I, where's the responsibility here? What do I, should I stop shopping at this place? And then it was all of these questions and that kind of that, that panic, that unspoken thing that she is used to in every area of her life. I mean, and that goes across every topic, right? It's the, when you realize your own privilege, I think in terms of things that are painful for fat people, female friendships or, you know, non-binary queer friendships is one of the places where it can get really painful. Like being the fat friend, like the, the conventionally attractive woman, cis woman, like the white, thin, feminine, like Me. The, <laughs> you, you, Me. you are the problem. <laughs> you are the problem. <laughs> I would happily go out for coffee with you, for dinner with you. I would never go to a nightclub with you. Not just because I would never go to a nightclub, period, because <laughs> no thank you. But the level of being and feeling ignored and invisible when you are with your thin friend, especially if you're like young and, you know, you're 18 or you're in your early 20s and, and you know your thin friend doesn't mean this to be happening, you know, she thinks you're beautiful, like you're her friend, like she thinks you're amazing. Like, why wouldn't mm. all men want to be with you? But they also don't see it. And I, for so many years, I would have my thin friends say, it's all about the energy. Cause like, you're beautiful. It's all the energy. Like, 
you can just sense that you don't like yourself. So if you just like have more confidence and you, if you just seem more happy or whatever it was. So I would try that so hard, like just go into a room, be like so smiley and so confident and still it wouldn't work. And when I realized that it was never going to work because it had nothing to do with smiling or energy, Uh that was such a relief. But telling my friend that made her devastated because she was like, Oh, because then she had to realize that, oh, actually, she could just sit there and be pouty faced and in a wearing a black plastic bag and she'd still get the attention <laughs> that I wouldn't get. This is the kind of stuff that people need to hear. I think that that was like you said, you're super honest. And that was really good for me to hear. The best thing that I could wish for for fat people is to have other fat friends, mm. because there is a thing where. Oh, being being with other fat people, it's the only place where you can actually talk about these things and be fully understood. I spoke um, with a trans woman on this podcast and she spoke about how trans women are most likely to stay in abusive relationships longer because of this fear of but who will be there after this person? I talk a lot about um, settling for less than you deserve, but it's a lot easier for me to say as someone who is thin. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing thin people say that. (laughs) That's my kink is just hearing thin people say they have it easy. I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, go on. (laughs) Like my my thin friend, she has no clue and she'll, she'll be like, Oh, what do you do when you just have too many conversations going on Tinder? Like, how do you even (laughs) choose? I'm like, you are a horrible person and I don't want to speak to you. (laughs) It's really hard to be fat and to know the discrimination around fatness. And, you know, uh, a lot of us will have tried the, you know, being the secret, you know, don't tell, don't tell anyone we were together. You know, can you leave Mm -hmm. out the back? Like all those things. Because it's not that people don't want to have sex with us. It's not that people don't want to date us. It's that it's just unacceptable in the eyes of society and it's embarrassing for them or, you know, they they think that it's about them somehow, like it reflects mm. onto them. And it's always the more insecure he is, the less he wants to be seen as someone who's with you. So it's really hard to both know all of that and then also say, but I want what I deserve, which is something that feels really good and someone that I really love. Because, yeah, that thought creeps into your head of like, well, who else, you know, what are the odds I'll find someone else who wants me? I would never say to someone, oh, that's okay. You'll find someone because it is hard. It is hard. I don't think it's impossible. I think there are loads of fat friends who have amazing partners, you know, and I also know a lot of thin people who don't have any partners. So like, it's not like that, but I also see how hard it is. And also the fear. A lot of it is the fear. Like, is this a joke? Because the amount of times you've kissed someone and then they start laughing and then you look in the corner and their friends are all laughing and, oh, this whole thing was a fun thing of who can get the the fat person to kiss them or whatever. Mm. So you just end up not trusting them and going, what's your problem though? What do you want from this? Like, what's the, what, like, I'm so suspicious of anyone who flirts with me. I'm like, what, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Where's your wife? What's happening? (laughs) Wow. I'm, I mean, I'm laughing because you're funny, but that's definitely <laughs> not funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I, ca- I can't imagine the impact that that would have on your self-view growing up and then into adult life as well. 
anyone could say to someone, but it's just like a, a mindset thing. It's just how blah, 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 blah. But if you have like a track record, lived experience of this constantly happening to you, uh, then yeah, I understand why you say that it feels a bit gaslighty when thin people, we just pretend like it's not a thing. And we're just going to ignore that you have to sit over there because you're fat on the plane. And we're just going <laughs> to ignore that you need to get yourself a new chair in the restaurant. I mean, I feel like it's it, within the last, I don't know, four or five years, I, I have at least become aware of people like, or people like you, the thing you're talking about, about, you know, don't settle, don't settle. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. deserve the mm-hmm. best. And also we don't need anyone. We're fine when we're single. And I still find that to be very empowering. Like I still need to hear it. I, I can then filter in, you know, the stuff that needs to be filtered in my head of like, yeah, but also, uh, but <laughs> yeah. it's still, I understand if people feel like it's better to settle and be less happy in a relationship because for them it feels better than being alone. Mm. I've been there at some point in my life. I don't necessarily think it's necessary, but then again, that's me coming from a very privileged point of view of I've been in therapy my whole life. I have been able to work on my codependency issues and my abandonment issues, my commitment issues. So I'm working towards a life where I never feel like I need anyone in a healthy way. Yes. But I also know that therapy is not the most accessible thing as well. So for some people that might be the only way they feel they can survive. And that's Mm. Also just an uncomfortable truth that we also have to acknowledge. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? <laughs> For sure. I, I feel well, I feel like just hearing you speak about that then, you know, you, you were saying you understand why people settle for less. I understand why people settle for less as well, because I've been in that situation where I'd basically just got so frightened of being a bad woman if I left him and I couldn't fix him. And if I couldn't fix him, then that was like a reflection on me as a person. And then one day he called me a bitch. I imagined if I had like a daughter and she'd seen him call me bitch, something about that word was so piercing. It burst my bubble. I kicked him out. And then I began this journey. Right. And I feel like for me, it's all about encouraging other people to see that there is another way and that there are these steps you can take. And I'm still learning, still growing, still going to therapy, still doing. This whole podcast is about me learning and taking my audience along with me. And I just feel like what we do with our work is all about bringing people, showing them a different perspective and and shining a light on areas in their life that they might not have seen before um, to show them that there is a different way of living. And I think, so going back to the very first question you asked me about what I was passionate about, being therapy and stuff about the mind, I also really want to talk about how, because I also think there's a whole part of social media that's people saying, you can also live like this, or you can also feel like this, or you can do this, but you're missing that part of how, you know, what, do I just get a man to call me bitch? And then I love myself. Because it's yes. not worked so far. <laughs> yeah. So I, like, I, I really want to put out some actual steps that people can take. You know, I, in my book, I don't remember how many, 10, 10 things you can do to learn to love yourself. And there are actual things you can do, you know, mm. things you can sit down and write write this list or say this to yourself in the mirror or change like this about the way action. you live. Yeah, because like I've heard so many people be furious about the body positivity movement because they've gone from feeling like shit that they can't lose weight and now they feel like shit because they can't love themselves so it's just another way of feeling like they're not enough so you want to say to people okay this is how we can make it more sort of down to earth let's sit down and do this yeah 
I think tangible actions are really important because a lot of the stuff that we see on social media is a generic hashtag love yourself, self-love kind of vibe. That's actually why I started doing my illustrations a few years ago. I grew up in Plymouth and I was seeing all of this stuff and I was like, I can see what it's trying to do, but it's absolutely failing. It makes no one feel fucking good about themselves. Um, so I started making these really blunt cutthroat to the point messages that were quite provocative because I want people to like kick them and inspire them into action. And I think that's really important. It's so important. It's so important. It's also important just to hear people say the things. Like I remember the first time I saw someone on social media say men are trash. I think I understood it on such a deep level because it wasn't as much about, which I know that especially men really want to make it about, you know, oh, so you are saying that scientifically, statistically, every single man is made of garbage when actually they are made of skin or whatever. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Where it wasn't even that. It was just the feeling of Mm. someone saying it out loud and realizing (laughs) that. Oh, so other people see that there's probably a bit of a problem as well. Yeah. And so much of it is just hearing someone else say, Mm. actually, you know what? Fuck this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show, but my listeners wanted to write the ad for me, and here are some of the things they said. Not your regular Juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. Um, I I really want to talk about your comedy, Sophie. You said that you no longer make yourself the punchline in your comedy. Can you talk about that and that decision and how you came to that decision? I used to. Like, the jokes would be, yeah, I know. You know, I'm fat. It's ugly. It's lazy. I eat a lot. Blah, blah, blah. All the time. So, So sort of play on the stereotypes that people were already thinking. I have not done that for a long, long time. Because I was... I was called out before I even knew what that was by a body activist in Denmark. Before I even knew what that was, before I even Mm. really knew what the patriarchy was, she clocked that I was doing this, that I was going on stage every night saying these things. And she was just like, yeah, don't do that. That's, that's ridiculous. And then I just ended up having a million questions like, wait, why? Like, is it an option to not hate your fat body? Like, and she opened my mind to. Like I was literally saying, but what's, what's that? And she was like, 
what's what? I was like, you said capitalism. What is capitalism? And she was like, wow. <laughs> so she taught me like all the words and all the things. And my mind was blown. And for, so for her, again, she came at it with a very fat liberation angle. She wasn't like, oh, I don't like hearing you say bad things about your body on stage. She was like, stop doing that. Because you're like helping, helping the patriarchy tear down all the fat people in your audience. Shut up. And then I shut up for a few years. You know, I didn't do, oh my God, I did the most problematic material. I was so problematic without knowing (laughs) what I was doing. And then I started listening, Googling feminism a lot, trying to learn as much as I possibly could before I dared to say anything. Mm. And then I started talking about fatness in a positive way. And yeah, that was a bit of a game changer. It's not that it wasn't as funny, but people were just not used to hearing it. So they didn't really understand what the joke was because I was talking about it in such a matter of fact kind of way. Like if I got, if I came out and I said, yeah, so obviously, as you can tell, my skin is blue. Like they would be like, wait, what, what's happening here? And that's how they felt. Like, so you you say you don't hate your body. Where's the punchline? When are you going to say, of course I do. So that it took a while for people to understand what was happening. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, when can someone call themselves fat and actually it be a descriptor and not a self-deprecating like me going, "Oh, I'm so fat today." You know, where where's the <laughs> where's where's the where's the line there because I would obviously never call myself fat, but there are, you know, some people do and they're not. So where is is there like a a size or a there so there's obviously, of course, nothing official because it's not, you know, yes. but the general thing would be when, if you can buy, if you can go into all, all shops on a high street and fit into their bigger size, you're not fat. Um, if you can only buy clothing online, you're fat. Right. Then there's like anything in the middle where you can buy in some places, but you also sometimes need to go online. You're a small fat. Right. If you can just about buy clothing online, but not on all the websites, like only a select few, you're a super fat. That's where I'm at. So I'm like a size uh, 28-30-ish, sometimes 32. So that means I'm at the very high end of online plus size shop. So I can only shop on like, a few websites. Then if you can't uh, shop on any websites and you sort of mostly will need to get your clothing especially made or go into specialist shops or have it tailored, you are in, oh, I love this word, infinite, infinity fat. Infinity I've heard fat. that word before, infinity yeah. fat. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. infinity fat. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe that I went from being fat to super fat when I stopped being able to fit in just one plane seat and when I realized that there were clothing on the most basic, like ASOS, clothing in their curve range that I couldn't fit into, I was like, okay, now I've taken the step up. Like when I need, I need special seats in the theater, otherwise I can't go because it will just hurt yeah. too much or I can't even physically fit into it. So that I went into super fat. So that was like, you had an experience that you were like, Okay, there's mo- there's literally physically more discrimination. The further up the scale, as you said, you call it a scale. Um, you go. Yeah, yeah. The accessibility, the how easy is it to to live and to go out in the world, and what do you now need to do? You know, 
I can't just say to, you know, friends who are like, let's go to the movies. I have to go and make sure I can fit into the cinema seats and flights and stuff. I need to book two seats and that's always hell. Or... So it's like a lot of preparation. Oh, it's, yeah, so much. You talk a lot about curating your social media um, in a profound way so that you aren't bombarded with all of these narratives that make you feel shit about yourself. Um, I was wondering if you have any accounts that you could recommend that you love. Accounts or books that someone listening right now could take away and go follow. Yes. So you definitely want to follow your fat friend. Why are fat friend? Aubrey Gordon. She's amazing. She also has a podcast. I severely recommend you. I demand that you listen to called Maintenance (laughs) Face with Michael Harps, which is about just debunking diet bullshit and wellness bullshit. It's such a good podcast. I love your fat friend. Oh, she is the best. She's the best. Um, For if you want like the very basics, like if all of this has been like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Get Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls by Jess Baker. It's a book. If you're feeling a bit like, "Mm, I don't know, and you are white, uh, you have to read Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Springs. And you want to read Belly of the Beast by Deshaun L. Harrison which are both about how fat phobia actually stems in racism, which is a real good way to get thin white people to uh, realize that. Because that's that's where you can really hit them. They're like, oh, but fat phobia is okay. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to be racist, do you? So yes. read these books. I'm going to go into the listener questions now. Okay. So uh, the first question how do I build up my confidence as a fat person after years of bullying? I would almost divide it into two. I would say, how do I overcome having been bullied? Because that is you having been attacked. Like you've been under attack. That's what bullying is. You're being attacked. Mm. And when you're under attack, your whole nervous system shuts down and you're being put into fight flight mode, which means that, you know, you're more anxious. You develop all these trauma reactions, which could, which could be everything from anxiety to OCD to whatever else comes out, depression. And there is overcoming that and like teaching your nervous system that you are safe now mm-hmm. and that you are an adult. And that's, that's hard work. And that's something where if you can, if you're able to, therapy is the shit. An <laughs> like investment is, as well, isn't it's it? It's definitely an investment. It's, um, and I also want to say, and I, I would, I got shit when I said this recently, but I, I still think it's fair to say, I know that therapy is not accessible for everyone. I do know that. I also know that it is cheaper than a lot of people think. I have seen and I have paid as little as 30 pounds when I've been really broke. A lot of therapists have certain spots available for people who can't afford it. The alternative is reading books like The Body Keeps the Score and Homecoming. And books in general about sort of trauma, CPTSD, PTSD, regulating the nervous system. Then there is the confidence. Then there is the thinking highly of yourself or thinking higher of yourself, which is a whole other thing. That's more about your conscious mind. That's more about the voice in your head. A good way of doing it is become aware of the voice in your head and sort of try and um, extract it a bit. So like write down, what is the voice telling you? Like become aware of it. Every time it says something, be like, oh, 
what is it what does it say because it'll say oh you're useless you can't wear this or you're just being so lazy you're just being so whatever mm. write it down pick it out and then look at it not as a voice of reason or who you are look at it as an external thing that's coming from some weird place that has nothing to do with you it's just like a stranger who's standing in your kitchen saying oh you're so lazy like fuck off mm. get out of my kitchen <laughs> like this is not me and then you then you slowly start to um replace it with with positive things mm. even if you don't believe them at first doesn't matter just say it to yourself mm. oh i'm being so amazing i'm so beautiful i'm great oh i'm such a good friend i look amazing today even if you don't believe it that's fine you need to train your brain yeah. into thinking differently so it's not and taking on your negative thoughts as an identity essentially externalizing them as you said and knowing where it comes from like <laughs> often that voice will be the voice of our bullies or our parents or you know what the media whatever and realizing that it has nothing to do with you. And also it's your brain, think your brain thinks it's keeping you safe. It thinks that it's because every time you had a bit of confidence, you were attacked. Oh so it's like, oh, God. if you just feel really bad about yourself, then nothing bad will happen. But your brain doesn't understand that that's not how <laughs> yeah. it works. Yeah. When do I feel bad? When do I feel good? And when you feel bad, that's usually a situation that you need to get out of. If that is unfollowing an Instagram account or cutting off a friend that mm. was actually never that good for you. And things that feel good. More of those. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was incredible. Okay. Someone asked, what should we do or what can we do about the government's archaic approach to the quote unquote obesity epidemic? <sighs> I mean, you could have stopped after government yeah <laughs> and like it would still be just like <laughs> what should we do about the government what should we do about the government <laughs> oh my god i know that there are people slash organizations slash groups who have actually informed people in a position of power about how what they were doing was very very damaging and harmful and had the opposite effect of what they thought they wanted. And I also know that that was ignored. So there is, there is such a big financial upside to fat phobia in terms of businesses and law and all of that, that I find it very, very hard to, to think about what we can do to change mm. that because so many people are millionaires and billionaires because of fat phobia. And that's almost the hardest thing to fight, right? Is, you know, rich people will always just want to be richer. Uh, so I think what we need to do is just not take our so-called health advice from Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah. I should not be the first person to tell you that. No. Uh, that should be a given. <laughs> um, and I think we need to um, listen to people like Dr. Joshua Walrich, who's... Um, a doctor and talks about fat phobia on uh, in his book and on his Instagram profile. I follow him as well. He's great. Mm -hmm. He's great. Um, you touched on something then, which leads me into my next question. Someone else asked, what would you say to people and what can you say to people who say that being fat isn't healthy? Is there any kind of sentence or something you can arm people with? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I wish, I wish there was a sentence. Mm. Whenever health and fatness is brought up, my initial 
instinct is just to go, oh, <laughs> just, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. It is because it's one of the, it's so easy to say fat is unhealthy. And then you have the majority of the world agreeing with you. And it's so hard to actually explain how complicated it is. The health chapter of my book took me six months to write. Like it was the wow. worst. Okay. Listen to Maintenance Face. They have an episode called something about like fat, unhealthy, something about fat. Listen to that because it is all being explained in such an eloquent way that I could never. Okay. (laughs) I don't even have the vocabulary. No, that's that's good. Uh, That's good. Also, I have a whole chapter in my book, which is a more aggressive version of that because I can't really be chill about it. (laughs) (laughs) The essence is that you don't shame people when they decide to go drinking and do drugs and do football. Have you seen a football match? How can you (laughs) look at that and think that's like marathons are super unhealthy? Mm -hmm. But it's basically saying that fat is unhealthy is a way to attack fat people and demonize fat people further. And all of that is backed up by a lot of science and studies. And people will have written about that a lot. So I would suggest you <laughs> either just trust me and then just be like, Sophie's probably right, or dive into all the literature there is about it. <laughs> wow, that gave me so much to think about. What I love about Sophie is that they share so many of their anecdotes about their experiences. And I imagine that that's They've probably done like a lot of work to be able to talk about this stuff because especially also talking to a thin person. Um, I know that when, when I talk to men about sexism, I'm almost kind of, I go in with my guard up a little bit, kind of expecting and waiting for them to not understand it. So I, I, I imagine that Sophie has done a lot of work to be able to speak their truth in this way. They've done a whole fucking TED talk on it and you should just, you should just go check it out. Um, thank you so much, Sophie. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to follow Sophie on Instagram, I highly recommend you do. Their handle is at Sophie Hagen DK and that's Sophie with an F. And a massive thank you to the fucking incredible Black Honey who composed the original theme music for my podcast. You can find them on Instagram at blackhoneyuk and check out their latest album called Written and Directed. To keep yourself updated with all the latest episodes as they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take the time to rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a review. It really does help people to find us and make sure that the people who need to hear these conversations do. This is a podcast from something else. My producer is Millie Charles. My assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mail. Production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to our engineers, Jay Beale, Josh Gibbs, and mixing engineer, Gully Lawrence Tickle. An additional production from Chris Skinner and Teddy Riley. 